If you would, please open your Bibles to the book of Jude. Turn to Revelation, go back one page, and it is a short letter by Jude, the servant of our Lord Jesus Christ and brother of James. James, the lead elder at the church of Jerusalem. And we learned last week that Jude was the half-brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grew up in the family. The message this past week and this week is called Contending for the Faith in the Last Days. We learned last week in verse 3 where Jude says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. We learned last week that the call is not to fight the culture. The call is to contend for the faith, to fight for the faith in the midst of a crooked culture. We're going to see even today in the message of our responsibility to be merciful towards those who have been tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. I want to read a passage from the book of Judges, chapter 2, verse 7. And it may have one of the most sobering sentences in the Old Testament in the passage that I'm going to read. Judges chapter 2, verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnat-Herez, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel. One generation. The American landscape of churches is littered with churches who have gone the way of the world, who have allowed false doctrine to creep in and change the church. 
There was no contending for the faith. There was an accommodation of the faith to try to be relevant in the culture. And Jude gives us a word today that is more relevant than ever. Brothers and sisters, we've got to contend for the faith that has been once for all delivered to the saints. We've got to fight to preserve the truth of the gospel and all of the gospel implications of holiness and righteousness. Repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and a life lived in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. We looked last week at contending for the faith in the last days and we said in order to contend for the faith in these last days, you need to, number one, glory in your identity. And we saw that in verse one, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. And we said, this is who we are as the people of God, called by God, beloved by God, and kept for Jesus Christ. It was a divine calling, a divine love, and a divine keeping. And we said, secondly, that if we're going to contend for the faith, we've got to treasure the gospel. We've got to treasure the preciousness of the gospel to preserve and to protect and to not let anything come in to pervert it, to change it. And then thirdly, we saw that we need to know for certain that Jesus will deal with the ungodly. And Jude gives a litany of Old Testament examples of how Jesus dealt with the ungodly. all the way from the children of Israel who rebelled and did not believe to the angels who rebelled against God and Jesus kept in chains until the day of judgment. And Sodom and Gomorrah, and we saw Cain and Balaam and Korah, those rebellious men who led the people of God away from the Lord. So we saw that we need to know for certain that Jesus will deal with the ungodly and that's an encouragement to the people of God. You don't have to bring judgment. There is no vengeance against the ungodly. No, Jesus will deal faithfully with the ungodly and it should be an encouragement to us and a warning to us to not veer off and to go the way of the ungodly. But there are four things that we see in this text today as we finish verses 17 to 25. So would you please stand for the reading of God's Word and we'll dive into the text. Hear the Word of the Lord, Jude, verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, 
Keep yourselves in the love of God. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we bow before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you are a speaking God, that you have revealed yourself by your word. And most supremely, you have revealed yourself in the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that today that you would equip us and strengthen us. Guard us and protect us. Comfort us. Encourage us. By the power of your Holy Spirit working through your word. So Lord, once again, we ask that you would plant the seed of your word down deep into our hearts and bring forth a harvest of righteousness for the glory of our Christ. In whose name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In order to contend for the faith in these last days, you need to number one, remember the predictions of the apostles. Look at verses 17 to 19. Jude says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pause there just a minute. Remember, beloved. Remember, you are the called of God and the beloved of God. And Jude says, remember, beloved. I just want to encourage us right now. If we can see each other in the body of Christ as the beloved of the Lord, it changes everything. And Jude says, you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers. And we know that we've been in the last time ever since the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and the pouring out of His Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Remember, Peter stood up and said, this is what the prophet Joel said. That in the last time, God is going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. He said, this is what's happening right now. So in the first century, all the way until now, brothers and sisters, we are in the last times. And there's an urgency as we wait the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we need to remember what has been spoken, thus says the Lord. The apostles of the Lord Jesus said in the last time there will be scoffers 
following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions. And remember, last week we saw that it is these that Jude is talking about, these false teachers that have crept in who are just like those that Jesus dealt with in the Old Testament. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. The Apostle Peter says this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. What they were seeing that Jude was dealing with was nothing new. It has been going on throughout the the time of redemption. But the apostles said, this is what's going to happen. And the point is to, to know in advance that this is what's going to take place so that you're not moved, so that you don't go astray, so that you're not led astray, so that you're not shaken. Even Jesus said, I'm telling you these things in advance, so when they happen, you will believe, so that you know that God is in control that the world is not spinning out of control and that you don't have to take it into your own hands. No, this is what the prophets said was going to happen. This is what the apostles of the Lord Jesus said was going to happen. In fact, Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal. You look around, you say, it looks like everything is getting worse and worse. Don't be shaken. Don't be moved. Remember, the apostles spoke and they told of what was going to happen in the last days. Paul goes on saying, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. And then he says in chapter 4, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And as I said just a minute ago, there's a, a landscape of churches that have turned away from the truth and have accumulated for themselves teachers who will teach the things that scratch the itch of the ears of the ungodly. There are a generation of people who don't know the Lord because those in a previous generation didn't contend for the faith. And they passed down a perverted gospel that has no power to save. 
Remember the predictions of the apostles. If you want to contend for the faith, you've got to remember so that you'll be alert, so that you'll not be taken by surprise, so that you'll not be shaken, you'll not grow weary and troubled, so that you'll be sober-minded and will endure suffering so that you'll be able to contend for the faith. And secondly, in order to contend for the faith, you've got to prioritize an intimate walk with God. You've got to be close to the Lord. You've got to walk closely with the Lord. Abide in Christ. Notice what he says in verses 20 to 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. You might be saying, keep yourselves in the love of God. We started off in the book of Jude with verse 1 to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. And we're going to end with verse 24. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. And Jude says, keep yourselves What does he mean? Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, he says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You work it out as He works it in. It's God working through you. It's God working according to His good pleasure for you to do the things that He's called you to do. In 1 Corinthians 15.10, the Apostle Paul says this, but by the grace of God I am what I am and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is at work within me. H.B. Charles Jr. says, the steadfast perseverance of the saints is enabled by the sovereign preservation of God. And we talk about the perseverance of the saints, what God has called us to persevere. And yet, Doctrinally, we know that really it's the preservation of the saints, that God is preserving His people, but God preserves His people through means. And that's what we see Jude speaking about. God has ordained means, the means of grace. And John Piper says, God keeps me by enabling me to do self-keeping things. He has committed to keep you, so keep yourselves in His commitment to keep you. Divine sovereignty and the responsibility of the believer to pursue Christ with all your might, to love Him with all your might, to keep yourself in the love of God. And that's the emphasis because that is 
the only imperative in that sentence. In verse 20 and 21, it starts off, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. These are participles, and they're present active participles. In other words, you need to keep doing these things, but it's not the command. The command is, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. That's the imperative. That's the strong verb. These other participles are telling you how to do it, what that looks like. These means of grace. And Jude says, what it looks like to keep yourselves in the love of God is building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit and waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. That's what it looks like to keep yourselves in the love of God. In John chapter 14 and 15, Jesus says what it looks like also. And he says in chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then in verse 21, he says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. In chapter 15, verse 4, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's why I said prioritize an intimate walk with God. That's what it means to keep yourself in the love of God. Make it a priority. I love what Spurgeon said, and I had Chandler write it in her beautiful cursive in one of my Bibles. It said, come my soul, sit at Jesus' feet and learn of him this day. And Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, and those aren't just the red letters, brothers and sisters, it's the word of Christ, it's the whole of the Bible. Let his words abide in you, remain in you, soak in you. And you will ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. And by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. What does it mean to keep yourselves in the love of God? It means to abide in Christ. To build yourself up in your most holy faith, obeying the commands of Scripture. 
letting the word saturate you being self-feeders, not just feeding right now. This is a time for us all to feed together. But when you leave this place, you feed on the Word of God every day. And Jesus said, man shall not leave by, live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, quoting from the Old Testament. So build yourself up in your most holy faith reading the Word, studying the Word, memorizing the Word, soaking in the Word, and obeying the Word, not just being hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. That's what keeping yourself in the love of God looks like. And praying in the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is that expression of our dependence upon God. We need Him every hour. And prayer is the the demonstration saying, Lord, I need You. There's prayer and praise, recognizing who He is and who we are not and how He is all-sufficient and how we are dependent We keep ourselves in the love of God by praying in the Holy Spirit. And then he says, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. There's a forward posture of the believer. We're waiting. We're longing for that day, the blessed hope of the believer, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you leaning forward? Are you looking forward? Are you longing for that day? Because that's what it means to keep yourself in the love of God. If, if you have no care, if you're not living with an urgency, if you're not listening to His Word and obeying His Word, you're not availing yourself of the means of grace that God has provided. And God has ordained means. He works through means. It's His sovereign good pleasure and our responsibility. So prioritize an intimate walk with God. Don't let anything get in the way. Number three, if you want to contend for the faith in the last days, then be merciful towards those who have been tossed to and fro. It's interesting in the first verse, to those who are called beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, we could be understood as the called ones, those who have been called unto salvation. The called ones. But we're not only the called ones, we should be the merciful ones. We see three imperatives in these next verses. Verses 22 and 23, Jude says, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. And to others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. And we could say, love the sinner. And some people say, love the sinner, hate the sin. And we could say, Hate the sin and be merciful to the sinner. 
Be merciful on those who are confused and doubting, those who have been storm-tossed, those who have been lured in by false teaching, the teaching of the culture. One of the things that we said, one of the, the most dangerous things in our culture that has affected so many churches is the sexuality of our culture that the church has adopted. So be merciful on those who are confused and doubting. Be patient. Tell the truth in love and be kind and patient and merciful. And on those who are entangled in sin, Jude says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. There's some who are entangled in sin that we need to go after. And again, these are present, active also. That means we need to keep going after them and keep being patient and keep showing mercy. Don't give up. Leave the 99 and go after the one. Be merciful towards those who've been tossed to and fro and even on those who are entrenched in sin. Look at what he says. Show mercy with fear hating even the garment stained by flesh. In the fear of the Lord, understanding even our own capacity towards the worst kind of depravity of being influenced, show mercy even with fear. Hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Love the sinner, be merciful on the sinner and hate the sin. It's not in line with the Lord Jesus. It's not in line with the gospel. You cannot accommodate it to the faith. Contend for the faith that is once for all delivered to the saints. And Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, speaking of pastoral ministry, he tells Timothy, he says, Verse 24, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Be patient. Keep teaching faithfully. Be kind and gentle. Be merciful. That's what Jude is saying. Be merciful. Don't compromise. Don't fall into temptation. But brothers and sisters, be merciful. We're the called ones who are the merciful ones. And Jesus taught us even how to love our enemies in Luke chapter 6, verse 35, but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for He is kind to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So image God your Father in being merciful Toward sinners, and that's part of contending for the faith in the last days. And finally, number four, 
In order to contend for the faith in these last days, you need to keep your focus on the one who is able to preserve you and to present you blameless to himself with great joy. And some of you are taking notes and you're like, stop, I need to slow down. But this is worth it. Keep your focus on the one who is able to preserve you and to present you blameless to himself with great joy. Look at how verse 24 starts. Jude says, now to him. There it is. Keep your focus. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory. He's able to preserve you, and he's able to present you. The word for he is able, it might be translated like this, now to him who is mighty to keep you, who is powerful to keep you. It's it's not that he might keep you, he's able to keep you, but he might not, no. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, they come to me, and I give to them eternal life, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. And Peter said that we are preserved, we are kept believing by God's divine power, by His grace. He saved us by grace, and He keeps us by grace. Now to Him who's mighty to keep you from stumbling. It could be translated falling or falling away. One commentator said, notice that it's it's not just falling, it's stumbling. It's the picture of a sure-footed horse, not stumbling. And to present you or to stand you up. In Psalm 1, it says that the sinners will not stand in the day of judgment. And yet, God is able to preserve you and to stand you up on the day of judgment. He will keep you standing. Preserve you and to present you. And notice, He's not only able to keep you from stumbling and able to present you blameless to Himself before the presence of His glory, Notice what it says, it is his great joy to do it. He says, to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. The grammar in here is really difficult because we're wondering, is it us who are presented and standing with great joy? Or is it God who is presenting you to himself, and he's the one with great joy. And I would say, amen and amen, it's both. Because we know that in his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. We know that it will be our great joy to stand in his presence. He has redeemed us. He has rescued us. We don't stand in our own righteousness. We are robed in the righteous robe of Jesus Christ. We stand because of Christ. And it is our joy. We've made it home. We're seeing him face to face. 
the joy of the believer, but it's also the joy of the Savior. See, it was for the joy that was set before him that Jesus endured the cross. Waiting for the commendation of his father, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of his presence. So we enter into the joy of his presence, and it's God's joy. It's his everlasting joy, and it's his joy over his people. I can't help but think in the Old Testament, in the Minor Prophets, the book of Zephaniah, chapter 3, where Zephaniah writes this, sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart. And that's the word in the New Testament. He will, you will stand exulting, glorying, exulting, praising, leaping, literally. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem, the Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away all your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Hallelujah. It's not just the believers who are exulting. It is God exulting over his people, rejoicing, delighting in his people that he is saved by the blood of Jesus. And that's what Jude says. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ. There's the gospel right there. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is but one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. It is through Jesus Christ that we will be able to stand on the day of judgment. He has taken the penalty of our sin. He has conquered death, hell, and the grave. And all those who are united to Him by faith will stand on the day of judgment receiving the commendation of God. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Master. Now to Him. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen and amen and amen. Let it be so. Praise the Lord. That's how this is ending. So if, if we're going to be faithful, contending for the faith, not fighting the culture, but preserving the faith that will be passed down generation to generation, unspoiled, unperverted. A gospel that saves. And we need to remember the predictions of the apostles. This is not something that God has not said is going to happen. 
So don't be moved. Don't grow weary, discouraged. Trust the Lord. He's in control. And we need to prioritize an intimate walk with God. Keep yourselves in the love of God, beloved. We need to be merciful towards those who've been tossed to and fro. When there's opportunities for church discipline, remember, be merciful. Hold fast to the truth. There may be discipline, but the church is not exacting vengeance. No, the Lord. Trust people to the Lord. You be merciful. And fourthly, keep your focus on the one who is able to preserve you and to present you blameless, spotless, without wrinkle to himself. With great joy, exulting delight. In Psalm 145, and I'll end with this, the psalmist says this, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. Think the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. If you're going to pass down the gospel unspoiled to the next generation, then contend for the faith that is once for all delivered to the saints. Let's pray. Holy God, you are worthy of all of the glory, all of the majesty, all of the dominion, the power, the authority. Lord, we ascribe to you the greatness that is due your name. We extol you, our God and King, and we bless your name forever and ever. Lord, I pray that you would work through your word to stir us, to move us, to preserve us. For the sake of your fame among the nations and among the generations. God, I pray for Bull Street Baptist Church. Pray, God, that you would work mightily through our church family, contending for the faith so that there will be generation upon generation upon generation upon generation of godliness, of those who set their hope to seek the Lord, those 
who set their hope in Christ. So, Lord, we pray even for the children that are yet to be born, that they will be raised in a congregation who will hold out for them the truth of the gospel and all of its implications without blemish, a gospel that has saving power for eternal life. So preserve and to so preserve and protect and keep this precious conver- congregation in the love of God, both now and forever. Amen. Amen.